This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Well, hello there and welcome to the latest Liverpool Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I'm Joe Rimmett, your host today, and I'm joined by three fine gentlemen to talk all about deadline day and Southampton. On the end here is the man who puts the O in Theo Squires. Theo Squires. You're right, Joe. How are you? Not too bad. You? Yeah. Dressed on Friday. You're embracing it. <laughs> yeah, always. Yeah. Always. Embracing it a little bit too much. That's just a t-shirt and jeans. It's fine. Yeah. Verbal warning. Yeah, everyone, everyone's listening. This is your verbal warning. <laughs> I'd have okay. been fine if we weren't on camera these days. Yeah. Well, we are. So. Yeah. Fix up. Look sharp. As Dizzy Rascal would say. Here's <laughs> um, Dizzy Rascal. You know that. Yeah. 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 Talking of grime. Oh, well. <laughs> the man who puts ad in Matt Addison. Matt Addison? Yeah. 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 How are you? All right? Yeah, very good. Thank you, Joe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. And the man who puts full time Liverpool correspondent Boho home and away in Paul Ghost. <laughs> Paul Ghost. <laughs> Shouldn't do that again. Yeah. <laughs> this is all serious. Might do this whole thing yeah. again. Uh, yeah, I'm good, Joe. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. Friday afternoon. We're yeah. getting there. Yeah. Getting um, getting busy for you? Yes, as as usual. You're not as busy as um, some of the other full-time colleagues around the country, are you, today? No, no, uh, it's, so it would seem. I mean, I, th- I, think, I think we pretty much expected it, didn't we? Um, no incomings. Doesn't look like there's going to be any outgoings as well at the moment. And I think the... Uh, I think tu- is it Tuesday? Tuesday? Yeah, it's Tuesday, mm. isn't it? I think that's thrown a little bit of a spanner in the works as well because maybe... One or two were looking to go on loan, something like Queen and Gallagher maybe, and it doesn't look like that's going to be the case now. And, and yeah, and Klopp said he's not, it's not like a blanket thing where the young players just go out on loan. He says it's kind of like a horses for courses approaching. Some players need a loan move to develop, someone like Rian Brewster, and, and others don't because they're kind of learning, training with the first team, someone like Curtis Jones. So um, it's very much a, a tailored approach to, to the loan system from Klopp and that will we'll show up with what's going to be looking like no one going out the door today. I was only asking you to say hello. I know, but I thought you were going to just segue into the first question and then we're on the clock. I never segue that well. <laughs> um, but we, we will sort of segue. Um, I don't, why, why do they choose segue? As the, um, it's, quite a, it's quite a strange contraption to choose for, for getting to, to the to next subject. Easy, yeah, I'd definitely end up on my face. Have you like ever that. been on a segue? No, no. Good fun. You've really two been on a segue? I've never been, no. no. I'd like to, though. Yeah. I would like to try it. Yeah. Tell us your thoughts. Send us your thoughts in from home on segues. Um, right, press conference. Yeah, that's a neat segue there. How's the press conference? Jürgen Klopp um, started by ruling out any business ins and outs and um, then was very happy about Southampton. Big yes. fan of Southampton, isn't he? Yeah, eventually a question about Southampton came, didn't it? And, didn't it? And it's almost getting to the point now where how long can you go before you're talking about the actual game? Because no one really mentioned West Ham no one mentioned Southampton. There always seems to be something in the way because Liverpool are just making everything look a bit routine at the moment, aren't they, and winning every game. So no one really wants to discuss the next game because you've heard what Jürgen Klopp has to say a dozen times about the next game in every press conference. So eventually the question of Southampton came and he was full of praise for Danny Ings in particular and how well Ralph Hasenhutl has turned things around since that 9-0 defeat to Leicester back in, was it September, October? Um, I think it was a bit later than that, wasn't it? Was it, it like November? Oh, really? Yeah. Because I remember at the time they were, they were like dead and gone, weren't they? Like we looked, they looked doomed, and since yeah. then they've been one of the form teams of the league. And yeah, he, he was full of praise for them about their, their intensity and how how they've they've improved. And I think he's a little bit wary. Um, 
you wanted the fans in there, they need to create a bit of an atmosphere which tongue in cheek maybe a little bit rich yeah. if, if he's going to sack off Tuesday night. But that that's a whole different. So are you? You're by the way. Let's, let's yeah, just, yeah. But I didn't put my services forward. Well, you didn't give me time to even look at the rotor. You were gone, taking taking your friends' kids yeah. to Well, I'm going to respect the Premier League's mid-season break by not being <laughs> on Tuesday. Me and you are going to have to do by. Um, but yeah, he was full of plays for Southampton. Um, and he, I think he knows it's going to be a tough game, especially with one of the Premier League's informed strikers in, in Danny Ings, who, who he was so th- he said he was so thrilled for. Everyone at Melwood was so happy to see him doing well at Southampton. Obviously, had those two horrendous knee injuries at the pool, mm. didn't he? So... Now he's he's moved on and and uh, thriving. Yeah, big fan of Danny Ings. But first, let let's just get deadline day out the way. Um, Liverpool don't do much business at all on deadline day nowadays. Theo, they're probably involved in the most famous deadline day. Would you say it's the most famous deadline day since since it came in in January? I think the January one, yeah, yeah two thousand eleven, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But nowadays, not much business at all. Theo, what do you, what do you think that says about Liverpool and the the way they're run currently? When you look at clubs like Man United looking for Josh King today, Chelsea scrambling around, uh, pretty much all their sort of traditional rivals looking to do business, aren't they? It shows you that they've learnt their lesson because, mm-hmm. quite frankly, 2011, they got burned, didn't they? Uh, they didn't see a Fernando Torres departure really happening or if they did, um, they let it catch them out a bit and then just went and spent the money on Andy Carroll. That would have been fine if Andy Carroll had been a success. We all know how that one ha- ended up. And whilst Luis Suarez was announced on the same day, that one I think had been rumbling a little while and it was just they wanted that photo opportunity of the two of them together. So Liverpool definitely learned their lesson from don't do your business late. And even now, they don't even do the business in January unless something comes up. Like Virgil van Dijk would have been a summer signing if they hadn't been a bit naughty behind the scenes. Uh, Minamino, we already know that's only happened because it was such a good deal. Jurgen Klopp is so organised and it's right the way through the club with Michael Edwards and the whole setup. And it's probably a big reason why they're top of the Premier League so comfortably because they're so professionally run these days. As you look at Manchester United, they're being linked to... This week alone, I think I've seen Carlos Tevez been linked with going, going back to him. Danny Ings has been linked with them today. Obviously, you've said Josh King. Just all the... Uh, Rondon. Slomani. Slomani. Mm-hmm. You can just go through all these mad names and you go, what the hell are they doing being linked with Manchester United? <laughs> I know they're a bit rubbish these days, but they're bigger than that. And to leave it to the deadline day and they're still not sorted when they weren't sorted in the summer as well when Lukaku went. Uh, Liverpool fans can be very grateful that they're not in that position anymore. But it's funny, isn't it, Matt? Because we've been, you know, we've seen so many times when Liverpool have decided against doing business, people getting very frustrated. You know, we're, we're all happy now for them to do no, no business today, but there's been so many deadline days of the past that, you know, I've been, I've been sitting here working and, and you, you're just reading fan comments coming in saying, Liverpool need to do this, they need to do that, why aren't they doing anything? But it's that relaxed nature towards it. You look at Man United now and the way they're scrambling round. And it, it looks frantic, doesn't it? Yeah, it certainly does. I've, I've seen loads of comments. As you said, it, it used to be Liverpool. Today, it's Manchester United. Yeah. For, for weeks now, it's been Bruno Fernandes and they finally mm. got that done. And There's been one or two others that have obviously been linked and, and it just shows where, where Liverpool are at. That Not only is the club relaxed, the fans are relaxed. Everyone around the club is, is just content with, with what they've got. And, you know that's that's certainly not always been the case, was it? Yevhen Konoplyanka, whatever yeah, year yeah. that was, that yeah. was that was a I'm really well saying that. Right <coughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and the Ukraine. Yeah, um, and it was just one that that never happened, and I think he, he ended up in Sevilla somewhere like that, and didn't yeah. really go on to do a great deal. So West Ham, no. 
No, isn't it? No, that's that is not, Yarmolenko, no. isn't it? Yarmolenko. Um, well, it's all the same, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I can't pronounce any of them. Uh, but yeah, it, it just goes to show that there's not always value to be found in January and, and Liverpool are far too sensible to be wasting money these days. Definitely, definitely. Well, I want to ask you, before we move on completely from deadline day, um, I was looking at all the January deals before, um, famously forgot one, which Theo pointed out. Um, <laughs> Who was it? It's a big fella, oh, yeah. plays at the back. Oh, the, the number four. Costs quite a bit of money, yeah. and he's all right as well. Um, but, yeah, your top three January deals off the top of your head. Not so much maybe how good they are, but when they signed, how pleased you were. Oh, OK, that's a different question. Uh, Van Dijk, number yeah. one, because I think everyone knew that that was the, the Achilles heel that was just addressed virtually overnight, wasn't it? And it was the, the biggest sign in the club's history, and it was just such a big statement to get excited about. Um the return of Robbie Fowler. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. Yeah. I knew you'd say that. That's yeah, why I came yeah. to you first. Um, loved Fowler growing up. Was made up when he came back. And Daniel Sturridge. Yeah. Because I always thought he was he was a decent player who had a lot more to give. And I thought when Liverpool, when Liverpool got him, I thought Brendan Rodgers gets hold of him, he, he can be someone. And so approved and you know it wasn't for those injuries you could be talking about one of Liverpool's greats so probably those three um, off the top of my head Go on Theo Doing excitement yeah rather than talent Yeah I think so okay. the feeling that you felt at the time the Number one Robbie Fowler yep. just because it was so long ago you didn't get the hype and the build up yeah. so I, being down south at the time I didn't know it was happening I remember turning up for football training after it had done my mates You used to train? Yeah <laughs> so My mates were just so excited oh he's in the news he's in the news Robbie Fowler's back it's like, no Pulling my leg here because you yeah. just didn't see it coming. Um, they did two. have. The, hang on, you're making out like you were. This was like the 19, like <laughs> early 1900s, and you got. You You've heard more whispers up here than I would have down south. Maybe in, so, uh, yeah. But the Sky Sports News did did um, exist back then. Apparently, I mustn't have had it on no, at the time. No. Don't think we had Sky back then, to be fair. Um, oh, number two, <laughs> number three, <laughs> Daniel Sturridge. Just because I remember he was linked in the summer. He's like, oh, yeah. that would be a decent signing. Didn't happen, and then it did. And then Luis Suarez, because we'd all seen him at the I World Cup. Yeah, yeah. All seen him at the World Cup. He's like, oh, that's what Liverpool need. Yeah. All dreaming of that partnership with Fernando Torres that ultimately never happened. But yeah, that was an exciting one. Matt? Yeah, Luis Suarez is, is the one that stood out for me straight away. And, and obviously Van Dijk as well. Um, Coutinho was a January signing as well, wasn't yeah. he? I mean, yeah. wasn't obviously a big name to begin with, but he was someone that I'd seen a little bit about. And, you know, as soon as you see him play, he wasn't quite at the the world-class level straight away, but you could just see straight away that there was a player, you know, that that's the type of player that I like, that sort of technical yeah. quality player like that, someone who's just that good on the ball, you can just give it them in, in any area, and yeah. he's, he's just brilliant to watch. A, a, to a Brazilian attacker with Eno in the name is always going to yeah. excite any yeah. fan, Andy. No, no one's saying, look, I've got all my hands up, Andy Carroll, I was, yeah. I, I thought, I thought, I, I the yeah. next year, I honestly thought, this, this guy, absolute bullet of a shot with his left foot great near like, at the time I thought him and Suarez were bully teams He's, he just looked like a powerhouse and I, I also I remember exactly where I was exactly what I was doing I, I was backpacking in Australia was in a hostel got up for breakfast and um, like people were people were on their phones someone said oh Liverpool signed Andy Carroll for 35 million and apart from being very very shocked that they'd spent 35 million on Andy Carroll there was a Newcastle fan in our um, hostel and he said, oh, a few swear words and said, why would he go to Liverpool? You haven't even got as big a stadium as we have. 
And I remember Correct. just thinking that was hilarious. <laughs> there you go. I, yeah, I, I'll I, just on that story. I, yeah, I, I was quite excited about the arrival of Carly. That was storming first half of the season. I mean, the pool found it to the cost when he went up to St James's Park. And I remember thinking he's going to be great. But he turned up, he was unfit to begin with. He was injured, wasn't he, until mm. the March. And just never really got going. But we'll always have that semi-final leather. Yeah, we will. We will. Right, Danny Ings is on his way back uh, tomorrow. Klopp had a lot to say about him, Gorsty. Um he seems like one of the most popular yeah. former players, I think, in terms of within the club that, that Liverpool have ever had. I mean, Klopp couldn't have been more glowing in his praise for him, could he? Yeah, well, he, he said things basically because he was out for so long, he, he built up such a good relationship with the staff at Melwood as opposed to not so much didn't get on with his teammates, far from it, but because he was always working with the coaching staff there, trying to get back to fitness. Everyone kind of saw how hard he was working and how much of a, of a nice nice guy he is. And um, he said everyone was absolutely delighted for him to, to see him doing so well. And um, Klopp said he, he still thinks of him as one of his own, doesn't he? And I thought that was a nice little line. And he just said as long as he doesn't do anything tomorrow, we'll wish him all the best. And I think uh, I think the poor fans are largely in the, in the same bracket. I don't think you know seeing him move to Southampton for what well, Liverpool got a decent fee for him in fairness, and, and seeing him now. He's only a couple behind Vardy, isn't he, in the top scorer stakes? I think he might have, he might be on 14, which is some return when you think Southampton was struggling for, for so long. Um, he seems to be the main man there now, and good luck to him because everyone speaks so positively about him. And um, Yeah, I mean, Klopp was, was full of praise for him. Theo, do you think, had luck, um, been a bit kinder to, to, to Danny Ings, do you think he could have been perhaps in this Origi role and had scored a couple of goals for Liverpool on the road to... To um, big European finals. Yeah, I'd like to think so because he always did seem like the sort of striker that was perfect for Jurgen Klopp. He's got the right attitude, the right pressing style, mm. and when you even think to when he first did the injury in Klopp's like the very first training session, mm-hmm. wasn't it? In that season when Sturridge was struggling, he was per- that perfect fit because mm. Benteke wasn't. Firmino was still finding his feet. It could have been his opportunity, and it just never really worked out for him. But he's obviously always had the ability to score goals. I don't think I've ever seen a player so passionate to score when he got his goal at West Brom you know his first goal when he'd come back yeah. and we'd seen him come so close in the past uh, Divo Carigi he could have easily gone to was it uh, Wolves and we've yeah. seen him go close a few times to leaving the club um, that could have easily happened and then Danny Ings could have stayed he could have had the opportunity but we'll never know I don't think anyone's going to swap Origi's role for what he has yeah. done in the past six months and it's just great to see Danny Ings going and off and proving his ability elsewhere uh, chances are Origi might have to do that in a year's time 18 months time if he decides he wants to start playing football but it just shows how good you have to be to get into the Liverpool starting eleven, or how good your attitude has to be to have that talent and be happy to sit behind the current front three How much of a threat do you think he is tomorrow Matt? I think he's a big threat I think the, the big thing for him is that he's been able to stay fit and he's he's sort of the big fish in the small pond if you like at Southampton where everything goes through him There's, he knows that that you know the the responsibility for for keeping them up is on his shoulders, and I think he's real really stepped up this season. And you know, if Southampton are to to get an unlikely point or or even three points off Liverpool, it, you know he's going to be crucial. Um, going into it, he's the one that you sort of think they've got a lot of of good players. They've not necessarily got a lot of goal scorers, and I think he's the one that one chance, one goal, yeah. and and that could be it for them. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Ralph Hassenhull, uh, Klopp, um, <clears throat> Klopp said, we're not, we're not close, but yeah. we, we work together in the same league. Um, it, was, it was 
huge in his praise of him as well. Um, I mean, I th- anyone would have been would have, wouldn't have been surprised if he'd have been sacked after that nine 0 defeat. He's done a magnificent job to turn things around at Southampton. Paul, um, is he one of the most likable? I mean, his name literally translates to Ralph Rabbit Hutch, which is <laughs> it's just wonderful in every way, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I wish my surname was Rabbit, Rabbit Hutch, but is he one of the most likable managers in the Premier League? He seems to be, doesn't I'm he? I'm asking all the big questions today. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he doesn't seem to be someone who, who courts controversy or says he tries to get on the wind-up or anything like that. It just seems like a good coach, doesn't yeah. he? And it would have been so easy for Southampton just to have got rid of him when they got beat 9-0 and just begin a search for another manager and, and a couple of years down the line, you, you think, remember that Hassan Hutton at Southampton, whatever mm. happened to him? But he stuck with him and he's, he's shown why he was why he's so highly rated coming from... Um, obviously the Bundesliga is the Alpine Klopp as, as he's sometimes referred to and um, maybe you can see similarities in the way Southampton play to, to Klopp's obviously famously intense pressing game um, does seem to be well he's obviously found his feet now at Southampton and, and they're getting the results that, that you know he seems to have worked since that 9-0 defeat I mean 9-0 is such a hammering isn't it it's the is it the record in, in Premier League joint record yeah yeah um, and since that game, they they've been fantastic. I think a week later they went to City and went ahead. And did, I think they, they might have lost, but narrowly lost, and, and they, they were so unfortunate. They did, yeah, they, they were ahead. Yeah, they had them a couple of times in the didn't they? Yeah. The League yeah. Cup as well, was it? Yeah. So basically, since that defeat, they've they've basically transformed it, and um, they will be a threat to Man yeah, definitely. Especially with someone like Ings up top, who mm. only needs half a chance. Um, got so many different types of finishes in his locker: left foot, right foot. Um, so Liverpool will have to be wary. Klopp hinted at it, Theo, that Liverpool like teams that, that play like Southampton do. They, they play almost in a, a bit of a mini Liverpool style. You know, they, they press high up the pitch. And, and Klopp did hint that that's the sort of thing that plays in their, into their hands. Um, do you think there will be space for Liverpool tomorrow? Or do you think that's a dangerous prospect? You'd like to think so, but that's because this Liverpool team are capable of beating anyone and just controlling games. Mm. They don't even have to turn up and be at the best. They can control a game as we saw in midweek against West Ham. Uh, Southampton though they, they are in good form at the moment I think they, did they beat Spurs did they beat Chelsea or something like that yeah. they're doing well against yeah. the big teams they've got confidence at the moment I think it's helped that they've changed the goalkeeper so you remember I think Alex McCarthy who's been linked with Liverpool a bit in the past mm. he's got in the sticks and now he's getting clean sheets every other week it seems and it seems to have bred confidence through the whole team and while I'm not going to say comparing to Alisson or anything Liverpool know how much difference it has when you've got a keeper you can rely on and have that confidence in so Yet Liverpool will want to play against this team that leave that space behind them because it doesn't matter how good they are. Liverpool know if they're getting behind the defence, they're scoring. Like we've seen it against so many teams in the past, no matter what the ability. Most famous ones, Roma, the 5-2. So Southampton play like that. It should go into Liverpool's hands. But then with these sorts of sides, there's always that now that they can show, go, hang on, this is Liverpool. They are the best team on the planet at the moment. We're going to have to shut up shop a bit and just lump it long to Danny Ings, play things a bit differently. West Ham tried to shut up shop. On Wednesday night, um, Liverpool hit them twice, scored twice, got the win. Um, three performances I, I wanted to pick out. Matt, I'll, I'll ask you about Joe Gomez first, who um, I think they've kept eight clean sheets in the last 11 games. Am I, am I right saying that? Uh, yes. The, yeah, they've, they've only conceded the one, haven't they, against Wolves since yeah. Richarlison in the derby in, yeah. on December the 4th. Gomez wasn't playing in that one. He's, co- he's come back in. He's been superb, Matt. Um how pleased are you to see how how good Gomez and is he is he out of those three the best option? He's definitely the best option out of the the three centre backs to go with Van Dijk. Mm-hmm. 
purely because of his age. I think for me, he's someone that you know he's only 22. He's still you know he's he's probably at a similar level now to what Matip was towards the the back end of last season. Yeah. Uh, so there's not a huge amount in terms of you know the the two abilities between those two players. I think there's a bit of a drop off with Lovren, but but not a massive amount. Um, but when you consider you know his age, his consistency. Uh, the leadership that he showed, um, you know, again, well, against West Ham, but in, in all of the recent matches, really, um, how good he is on the ball as well. Um, and as Klopp said today about his pace, you know, yeah. he allows Liverpool to play exactly the way that they want to play with that high line. You know, if, if something gets past him or goes over the top, he either, well, he either heads it clear straight away or he can recover and he can do that. And when you've got Two players, obviously Van Dijk's quick himself and nothing much gets past him. When you've got both of those players together, it just gives the rest of the team that that complete confidence. And Whereas in other positions on the pitch, you might say, well, we've got two really good ones, let's mix it up a bit yeah. like they do in midfield. I think in defence, you've just got to be settled and, and just let Gomez continue and, and hopefully he can stay injury-free for a little bit longer than what he maybe has done in the past. I'm going to say, if he's been fit the whole of last season, Liverpool win the league. Just the fact so. that they didn't concede any goals in the first half of last mm-hmm. season and they're doing the exact same thing now. And granted, Joel Matip was superb. He's a big reason why they won the Champions League. There was a drop-off. And you think at the time, oh, it's just form. Liverpool can't go this long without conceding goals and having that many clean sheets. But for him to come back in, find his feet and then just pick up where they left off last Christmas and just do it again, that shows how good he is. It isn't yeah. just about playing next to Van Dijk. And when you think, it was only a point, wasn't it, in between it? He goes in and he gets a clean sheet or an extra point along the way somewhere that makes the difference. Well, big claim from Theo. Yeah. Did you go along with that? It's not, it's not a bad shout. Liverpool have conceded just eight goals in 35 Premier League appearances with Gomez in the team. And when you think three more three more games and that's an entire season, I think, is it Chelsea with the best Premier League record defensively? Yeah. 2006, I think it might be 16. Yeah, 16, yeah. yeah. That's what, the, what I thought. So that's a, that's an incredible stat um, Liverpool could feasibly go the next three games without conceding to take that up to a full season's worth of games they've only shipped eight goals I think Alisson's got more clean sheets now than anyone else in the Premier League yeah. he's, he's got more clean sheets than goals conceded it's just um, Liverpool's just so strong defensively and it's coming a time when you were questioning when you're early in the season not so much questioning them thinking that they're having shockers at the back but they just weren't keeping clean sheets and teams mm. were getting the odd chance and sticking it away but that just isn't happening anymore and um, it's so solid at the back and that's where everything else is built on so if Liverpool do have a bit of an off day up front they still know that they only need to, to stick one of them away and they're probably still going to win the game Alisson wasn't one of the, the, the three players I want to talk about but just quickly I mean there isn't too much to say about him but he is just phenomenal isn't he I yeah. mean the saves he made on, on Wednesday night uh, Declan Rice just, yeah you know goalkeepers are judged on Keeping the concentration out there, and, and you know the top goalkeepers really don't always have things to do. Um, keep, keep, a keeper can look good if, he, if he's had shots at him for yeah. ninety minutes and he's he's tipped three or four around the post. But the elite ones are the ones that come up with the big saves when they've had nothing to do for the rest of the game. And thought Wednesday night was a perfect example of that with Rice's header, and I think Fornals had another chance. Yeah. So they could have easily have gone in, and you wouldn't really have blamed Allison for mm. for them going in, but. He's kept both of them out and he's just so assured. He doesn't really make Hollywood saves, as yeah. you might call them. They're just good saves because he's always in the right positions. and um, He's had just as big an impact as, as Van Dijk at the back, I think. The best yeah. praise you can give him is you look at Chelsea. Kepa came in a couple of weeks after him yeah. to take that mantle, the most expensive keeper, and he looks pretty bad, let's so, be honest. We don't talk so about him, do we? I mean, 
we just don't, you don't talk about Kepa as, I think if you said to someone, and this sounds a bit strange, but if you said to someone, who's the world's most expensive goalkeeper? People would just go Alisson mm-hmm. because they just think of him as the best. And that Kepa's just been... Just makes mistakes. Yeah. He's very sloppy. Like you see goals and you think, how's that gone in? You shouldn't be at a club like Chelsea. That, that size, you shouldn't be the most expensive goalkeeper on the planet. It just makes you appreciate how lucky Liverpool have got getting Alisson when for so long they've had keepers that have made those mistakes. Yeah. Um, one of the other players I want to talk about, Matt, was Jordan Henderson, um, who has kept, is keeping Fabinho at the team for the moment. And, and I do wonder at what point... Does Fabinho get back in the team? Do you think that he should get back in the team? Or is it a case of Henderson doing that role so well that he doesn't get moved? Yeah, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because I think Henderson's been playing the last few weeks as well as he's as, as he's ever been playing, realistically. Um, so finding a, a place for Fabinho to come back in is is quite difficult. I think it, it might just be a case of there's a little winter break coming up. Maybe Fabinho does a, a little bit of extra work to get his fitness back mm. to where it was before and, and maybe they go again after that. But I, I, I'd be quite happy either way, to be yeah. honest. I think it's if, not a bad problem to have, is no, it? No, exactly. I mean, if you've got two top quality players in, in one position, that's OK. Um, I'd be quite happy to see Henderson carry on where he is. But equally, Fabinho is, is just as good in that position and, and Henderson offers maybe a little bit more than, than one or two of the other options further forward. So... <coughs> Yeah, like you say, it's not a bad problem. I yeah. say he has to come back in. You have to have Fabinho back in after the winter break. And I'm completely for him not being back in yet because Liverpool have got this momentum at the moment mm. and it is getting to the break before you go again. Yeah. But it's more about if you've got Henderson on the right-hand side, it's that extra protection for Trent. It lets Trent get further forward. And he is Liverpool's most dangerous attacking threat, really, when you think about where the goals come from. So having Fabinho in that team unleashes Henderson and therefore it unleashes Trent. Is that, is that but is Henderson's moving back into that position, not contributed along with Gomez and, and, and Alisson, of course, to Liverpool being a little bit more solid though? Potentially, but then I think they've had to be a bit more protective. They've, ha- they've mm. realised how good Fabinho mm. was. They almost took him for granted because it was a case of, he's got it covered, we can all just bomb forward. And now when Henderson's going back in that role, is he isn't Fabinho, yeah. he isn't that natural defensive player. So Liverpool have had to be a bit cleverer on the ball defensively, have that extra protection, just take it carefully. Um, now when you think we're in this stage of the season we're about to hit that stage of the season where Liverpool can just go for it wrap the league up as quickly as possible then it will be Fabinho protect the rest of the team just carry on do your job win the games Fair enough Okay, staying in midfield Gorsty um, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain scored a great goal thought it was a really good goal yeah. uh, on Wednesday evening um, does he get run of games for you now? Yeah probably uh, Naby Keita came back didn't he for his, his first yeah. appearance of the season um, but I think I uh, think I think, for, for, you know, Klopp always talks about rhythm and, and players mm-hmm. need rhythm. And you're looking at it and you're thinking, where's, where's Fabinho going to get it? Because if he plays tomorrow with Southampton, he's, he's then got two weeks off before Norwich. I'd, I'd be likely to bring Fabinho in for that Norwich game and, and hopefully he'll be OK moving into Atletico Madrid. But with Oxlade-Chamberlain, he's got more of a goal threat than, than anyone else mm-hmm. in that midfield, hasn't he? I think he's Liverpool's third top scorer. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe six for the season, yeah. now, I think, in all comp. Four top scorers, sorry, um, behind the usual front three. Might be a, similar numbers to Origi. But and tight, maybe. Yeah. Be up there. Yeah. yeah. So, I, I, I think so. I mean, um, we had a chance to chat to him after the game on Wednesday night and... He was saying that he mentioned it like three or four times actually how disappointed he was with his own performance and he was very critical and thought he'd maybe been a little bit harsh on himself but I don't think he's at the level he was before that injury. I think he, that was probably his best, probably 
best form of his career if I'm being honest playing in the position he's always wanted to play but mm. I think at the moment he's in that role isn't he and um, that is where he wants to play it's where he can break beyond the defence and, and score goals like we've seen the other night so I think at the moment I don't see any real harm in leaving him in there and seeing what, what else he can do OK alright well, let's let's pick our teams let's put our money where our mouths are and pick our teams so Gorsty go first Alisson obviously in goal um, back four same as you were yeah yeah, yeah. Not, not too many options. No, no one's arguing. No one's throwing Klein in there. <laughs> Definitely straight, not. No, straight no. back into training. Straight back into training. No, no changes there. All right, midfield. Then this, this is where it gets interesting. Theo, you go first. Uh, it's going to be the same three. Same three. Henderson, Genie, Ox, Lane, Chamberlain. <laughs> I think there's, a, there's probably an argument for Cater just because yeah. of the the game. I think is going to be quite frenetic, quite intense, yeah. and just the way that Southampton play, but. At the same time, would you throw him back in with that being the case? I know he is suited to it, but um, no, I think definitely Henderson, Wijnaldum, and then it's a case of, of Cater or Chamberlain. Make a choice. So, Lallana's an option as well, Klopp said that today. Who? Lallana. Potentially Lallana. an option yeah. as well, yeah. yeah. I'm going to go Cater. Go on Cater? Yeah, okay. I'm Cater. Fair enough, yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with Theo, I'm, I'm sticking with it. I think Cater was in great form before that injury, mm. but he hasn't, hasn't really played as he's had 20, 15 minutes in a month. So I'm going to stick with Oxley Chamberlain. I think I'm going to go the same as you and Theo. It's just one um, club as well, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah true. Yeah. Front three then. Um, Rigi staying in there for you or Minamino? What do you reckon? I think Rigi has to stay in there by virtue of him just being the most similar to Mane, really. A bit of pace on the left. I think Minamino hasn't quite got that speed and still adjusting to, to the Premier League, isn't he? So Rigi by default almost because I don't think he's been great the last couple of games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Origi, just because Minamino needs time to settle. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, I think it would be too much of a risk to put Minamino in straight away. I think he's just got to keep coming off the bench and, and hopefully he'll acclimatise sooner rather than later. I'd be half tempted to put Minamino in, but I think that Klopp has played him in a central position. Sort of tells you what you need to know about where he sees him right now. I don't I don't think he would throw him in on the left. Yeah, you'd have to move Firmino, wouldn't you? Yeah. So I, I wouldn't be a fan of that. Yeah, Anyways, so. if you like do a 4-2-3-1 and then you have like Chamberlain on the left, That's he's true. not as good there either. No, no. All right, well, I think we're all in agreement then on the, on the front yeah, three. No really problem. Stays. Okay, so um, some score predictions, please. Theo, you first. 3-0. 3-0, yeah. 2-1. Yeah, I think I'm going to go 2-1 with you. I think Liverpool will, will shut them out. Um I think that Danny Ings only needs a half a chance, but I don't think he'll, he'll even get that. I think the pool win quite comfortably. 2 0. 2 0. All right, there you have it. For positive people. Um, 22 points clear, if you 20, want. 22 points clear. Um, it's uh, quite remarkable, isn't it? I don't, how are you? You're 31 as well, aren't you? 32. 32. 32. Yeah. Have you ever known anything like this? No. I don't, don't ever it's remember. Uncharted territory for I us. I remember the pool being 30 points off Chelsea in 2005 yeah. and being like, wow, that's mm. incredible. What a. Yeah. What a Great season they've had and what a poor season Liverpool have had, but 22 points clear of second place. 30 points clear of Chelsea in fourth, aren't they? Yeah. 35. Um, Liverpool 30 points behind the Invincibles as well. I think that got you Champions League. It's going to be more than that, issue. They've got more than... Um, it's dizzy. More than double points of Manchester United who are fifth. Um, 30 points clear of the team who are fourth. The 40 points clear of Everton. Um, incredible it's yeah. when you wait up against like Liverpool's previous seasons so I mm. think of how poor they were in say 11-12 and that was already eclipsed out by a mile and you've got what a third of the season left over that yeah Jurgen Klopp's first season they finished on 60 and they're already on 70 
dizzying heights. Go and have a sit down. You'll need one. We'll be back on Monday when hopefully we'll be discussing Liverpool being 22 points clear and looking ahead to the Shrewsbury game, which of course they can't even bother turning up to. See you then. <laughs> Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.